Welcome to the Monsters and Treasure podcast, where we talk way too long about a subject and just give you the best parts. I'm Daniel Norton, here with K.R. King, as always. Hey, Daniel, uh, don't say anything, but I got a mission for you. Oh, I'm ready to take it. So, you know, Daniel, an interesting thing that you hear uh, coming up to people, uh, with people sometimes, is, is like, oh, my players don't follow my adventure hooks. Uh, I present these things and they just go, nah, I'm not interested in whatnot. And I always feel like I think you agree that it really comes down when you're presenting things to players, you know, how you present them makes a big difference in terms of whether or not they're going to go for something. Because I always feel like when I present something to the players, they uh, sometimes I'll do it in a way that they just kind of but a lot of times they'll just go, oh, this might be something interesting. How about in your experience? Yeah, I think you're right there. I I feel maybe people are too vague, right? Sometimes you got to just be on the nose, you know, with, with what you're presenting to people. I've even heard people use things like adventuring boards, where it's like literally. I don't use that. It feels a little too meta. I don't know if you do. Where like in a town, there's a like a signpost. It's adventurers wanted. You know, this this seems like a, a thing that people do, right? Uh, you know, people even make the. I think it's a. Uh, on Dungeon Craft, he talks about he literally has a physical corkboard with like the adventures written on index cards. I've never done that, but what I tend to do is present things that are really like obvious, right? Like you're sitting in a tavern, and instead of having the guy in the corner all cloaked and whatever, which might make people go to him, you know, you have the bandits bust in to, you know, steal the gold from the tavern, right? And the, now the players are involved. And then at that point, they're going to say, well, we don't like that these bandits are doing this, so we're going to go after it. Right? They're going to – that you, you presented a bandit idea. If you just have people talking and they're like, oh, there's lots of bandits around, yeah, I mean, what do they even know what to do, right? Exactly. And I have the, the classic thing is you come into, let's say, a whether it's a tavern and or a little small village and you're in the central square and there's some shady characters hanging around and maybe they're slapping around the – the owner of the place, you know, this food was like whatever. My the players that I've always played with, I mean, there might be some that go, oh, I don't care about that. But a lot of times they'll come over and they'll just have this impulse because here's your chance to be like a guy in a movie who comes over and says, let the guy go. And they stop and go, really? Let this, yeah, that's what I said. So instantly it's on. Now that's a very, that's not necessarily an adventure, although it will lead to an adventure because all of a sudden one of the guys will say, Fred, or whatever, Durwood, just leave them alone. Let's go. We got places to be. And then they wander off. So the players are like, what's going on? All oh, those guys have been in, coming to town the last couple of weeks. I don't know what they're up to, whatever. And then we know we got to find out what these bandits are. What's And why did that guy stop the fight? Right. Why did he go through it? Let's just keep going. And they know something's up. Their boss told them, don't get any stupid fights. We got, we got bigger fish to fry. So it's, and again, this is how do you present these? Sometimes when they don't just attack, that's more interesting than when they do. Yeah, 100%. And I think what's interesting is we both took the bandit idea and it took what is effectively could be a rumor, right? Because you, you could, you know, a lot of modules and stuff have like a rumor table. So it's like, oh, you have these three rumors coming into this. But if you don't have players or they're new or you don't have players that are necessarily ones that like to jump on the rumors and oh, this one looks interesting, then really presenting it as a physical obstacle from the beginning so it's not there's rumors there's bandits or there's extortion we see the bandits in the extortion right in front of the players and of course this is where both kind of banking on the fact that we're playing with people that want to be heroes which is generally who i play with if you're playing with a group that wants to be bad guys maybe they want to figure out and join this bandit thing so like the same pitch can still work right yeah and it's funny because um uh, i did have a guy that joined was 
joining our group that this live tabletop that I'm playing. And he said, can I play an evil guy? He wanted to play a tiefling. I said, no. And we've had this discussion, but mm -hmm. so I don't want to play with people. I'll play with neutrals, but I'll tell them, or usually my experienced players in this group I'm with now will say, Hey, that's evil. You can't do that. And the guy's like, Oh, Oh, but cause they just, they just think, why can't I'll go over and give the old, uh, you know, the tavern keep a couple of snaps. Cause I don't like, you know, they'll just, and I'm just like that, you know, that's a little, I, but no, you know what? I think that's evil to, to take a person. If I'm a soldier uh, or a trained MMA fighter and I get mad at some 70 year old man that runs the, uh, um, uh, dry cleaners and I'm pissed that this shirt is, and I go behind the counter and beat his ass. That's that's uncool or evil, right? That's just not what you do. You know that I'm a MMA guy. This is a 70 year old man. We just see that and go, there's something wrong here. What are you doing? So, um, but, but I, I love the, what you just said, go back to it, a visceral confrontation that you come in on the middle of, or of some, or, you know, the classic is you found the burnt caravan, you know, all the wagons are burned. There's no all dead bodies. And you're like, what just happened? Right. And suddenly the players now there might be players that go, well, whatever, we got to be at this place. So we keep moving. And, but a lot of, if, if they're between things, they're going to investigate that. Well, and part of that is great too, because we're now we're moving on. Right. So we started, this is like the beginning of the campaign. What's fun about that is now the players are going to do something and they find this burnt caravan. And they probably want to investigate it, but they don't have time, right? So I guess the idea here is that I often present a lot of stuff that I that they've got to make a choice, right? Like like I, they want to pursue everything, of course. I, I very famously, on multiple occasions, one of my players has said to me, stop with the side quest. I mean, jokingly, because I drop all kinds of stuff in front of them, knowing that they cannot do it all. And this actually adds a little bit of tension and drama to the game because it's like, we want to find out what happened here, but if we don't get to town in a couple of days, and I know you have this going on in your campaign, you know, we have all these time things going on. Oh, you yeah. Know, you, we got this to do. We had this guy hired us, but like, what's down there? You know, and do they follow it? That could I be interesting. I had this thing where they're going through this mountain pass and they noticed uh, one of the characters was like, if I see anything unusual, or he was really making a point of saying, so he found this area with these rocks and he went in there and there was a little tunnel in there. So the gnome guy couldn't resist. So they tied a rope to him and they sent him down into this tunnel and it opened into a larger chamber and it went beyond his dark vision. But they all said, we've got to do our mission, right? We cannot explore this. But I had this whole thing that I just added because I can't resist adding that. And then what's going to happen is eventually, depending on how much time goes by, some other group of adventurers will go in there and have explored that. And now there'll be something that'll be a little bit different because things happen. Once they've discovered that now I'm like, Hey, these guys discovered, but so there is, I'm not saying you're going to get punished for, for not doing it, but right. Cause I don't want to get him into it. Like every time King does this, I got to go and do it. You can ignore it, but I just cannot resist having the world filled with little things that are like, what's this? Right. What's that? You know, and what's fun is when they, they Sorry, what was fun too is when they start to spiderweb and connect again, and and then they realize, oh, earlier that those guys that were slapping around the guy in the thing, they might be behind this burnt caravan, right, or whatever, right? Exactly. And the other thing I like is the old. Uh, this is like taking from the hateful place kind of thing, where you come to a village or a town, and there's something going on. I don't know <laughs> whether they they sleep. They not that they sleep, you know, 23 hours, but there's something there. And the townspeople are a little strange, but they're pretty normal. And you'd have to hang around there to figure out what's going on. But you're, of course, on to something else or whatever. But I just put the seeds of something. Right. And again, how obvious it needs to be. I think that when I put seeds, 
it is pretty obvious, even though I try to be subtle, because who wants to be so subtle that they just go, well, how would I have known that, right? I just right. have to have them notice something. When you mention this, this a, a, a shadow passes over the, uh, the, the the bartender's face, you know, or he, he right. sort of grimaces and he, anyway, what do you want? What do you want? And you notice that and you're like, hmm, but, but he's so afraid or whatever that he's not going to talk to you about this anymore. Just pay your bill. Let's go. So you're not going to get anything out of him necessarily. And plus you're busy doing something else. Like another thing that in my world, part of it is just my enthusiasm. The minute they launch into the world, they're doing things. They have, you know, missions or they have maps that they found or whatever. And so a lot of that stuff becomes a secondary things, although they can get tied up. But it get, and it gets complicated, obviously. Yeah, and I think players actually do like that. So I'm much more of a uh, open world person, which it sounds like you are too. And so it can be hard sometimes to like figure out where they start, right? So giving them a lot of options up front or giving them something very specific up front is really the best bet in my mind. Like when I first started my current OD&D campaign, I was like, well, we're playing OD&D. It's really about delving into dungeons and pulling treasure out. We had played a bunch of other systems. I'm like, I want to kind of go true old school with this. And they were cool with that, but they were like, oh, you know, why is my character here? You know, kind of thinking about it. And that module I was running actually had some interesting, like, why are you there? So we rolled on it. It turned out that a couple of them were cursed. And then it became, we have a thing to do, right? So like they, they wanted it. They wanted that little bit of extra. So I wouldn't be afraid to at least give them a push in the right direction. I feel, I feel like people might think that if if your players do everything that you present that you're railroading them or whatever but or it's too linear but it doesn't have to be that but sometimes you just want to get them going right like get them sliding down the hill then give them options as to where, which way they can take it because they will go i mean people are there to play right but a part of it is knowing your players like if you have players that love combat or love role play or love investigation then you want to try to seed that stuff early on especially so that they 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 are grasping what they want, and and this is the thing the role play. So I I had a group, we did a lot of what I talked about in my last thing, and it sounds like in your campaign too that they they tended to every once in a while like a thing, and so I would have like a murder mystery, you know, someone mm-hmm. in town was found, the mayor was found dead, you know, and this kind of thing, and then the players get involved because either they just want to investigate it or your your group was seen there, you know, something that right. not necessarily you have been accused and you are now in the jail or something, right, but, but don't leave town <laughs> and they'll follow that. And that will tend to be role play, role play, investigation. What's this? What's that? Looking for clues. This is what, you know, and that's a thing. And, and, and I guess we can talk about that in another episode about city adventures, because oftentimes right. those can be, you know, role play, role play, Quick battle, role play, role play, role, you know, it's a, it's a right. different kind of thing because you're in an organized, controlled environment. So, but I would just say the mayor has been killed or whatever, or it says, you know, there's everyone in this, everyone is talking in the tavern about this, you know, this thing that happened has no relation and they can decide to do it or not. And like you said, a lot of times my, my groups, they go, well, that's interesting, but we, we've got to get to here and we've got to do that and they'll just ignore it. But if it's, if they have the time, you know, players are going to go, well, what's the story here? What, uh. Well, the right. murder was very strange. There were ritualistic carvings on the wall, whatever it is. Yeah, and, and they'll, they'll have want to go talk want, to someone. And, yeah, and they'll want to come back to give, it, making a point to your like little you know cave. I think that's interesting because it was just a chat the other day on the Discord where somebody was like, "How can we show that the you know, the players didn't take this hint right away? Now it's been a few months. You know, uh, how do I show that another adventuring party might have been there?" And a lot of the initial responses were, "Well, there'll be no loot left, and all the monsters will be dead." But it's like. I, I I tend to look at that as almost like p- 
penalizing the players for not jumping on it right away. And I wouldn't necessarily do that. I'm not saying that nobody should go there and like things shouldn't change. Obviously they should, but if this is this little tiny hidden hole uh, in the side of a mountain that nobody's been in in 150 years, why is it as soon as the player characters find it, 50 people show up, you know? So I think you gotta, you gotta think about that. Things should change and move on. But at the same time, don't just be like, well, if you don't take it now, it's too bad. You know, you don't get that chance, you know, let them come back to it. If Absolutely. They, yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a temptation, which is why I think you've got so many on the discord. There's a temptation to do that. Mm-hmm. Don't let your own. I just created this whole adventure hook and I made it a hole in the wall, which is what I did. And they just said, nah, they put the gnome down on a rope, but he got to the end of the rope and he said, I'm not going any further. And then he said, OK, well, we're, we're, we've got things to do. So they pulled him back out because I had it on the slope. Right. The old right. once you go in here, it's hard to get back out. So um, and they didn't bite. And so. There is a temptation to go, fine, someone else, some other real adventurers found this. Well, why? And so why not just have it there? Because another thing is I created this whole thing. Why not have them be able to find it or something? I could even say, oh, you noticed there was a landslide, and now it's covered by tons of more boulders. So now you're going to have to dig it out. There's a little bit more of an obstacle, but they can do that if they want to figure out, well, these are huge boulders the size of a house. So what are you going to do? Well, are they going to do that? Who knows? But because I do like the idea of things changing, but I don't want to, like you said, why, if it's been this mysterious thing, why, why should it be that way? And the other thing, of course, is if you have a cave and you have this whole complex, you can put it somewhere else in your world. Right, not, more interesting. I have always have been one that I just, I'll move it somewhere else. Because that, because if you put the work in to make these things, I want, I do want the players to go through them at some point. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that this is, it actually probably appropriate to this conversation, the quantum ogre idea. Like, I think sometimes people think that feels like that, but that is not the same thing. If you make a bunch of, like, for instance, when I do hex crawling, I make a bunch of layers, I make a bunch of little dungeons. I don't place them anywhere. I place them when I roll them or or when I feel like there's something should show up. And once it's there and they've investigated, it doesn't move, obviously, but you don't, uh, you know, you don't force them to go into it. You just put it where you need it. So if I roll a goblin layer, I already have one made up because obviously if you're doing a hex crawl and you roll a goblin layer, you're not going to like do it off the top of your head, right? So you've got these things. The quantum ogre is more like they don't go down the hole. So then you have them at the bottom of the hill, there's another hole. And then they don't go on that one. So then it's like, well, you know, the road is now blocked by a giant hole. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's nowhere you go. You're going to run into this pit no matter what you do. You fall in a pit, you know, like that's more like that. Like, you're not forcing them. You're just making it available in different places because yeah, they only went down 50 feet. They don't know what's down there. That could have been anything. And I would urge, this is exactly, I used to have a little a file box, like a recipe box that I had mm-hmm. with file cards with layers and with uh, scenarios and with whatever. And because, again, I'm 15 years old or whatever, 16. I was like one of the Stranger Thing guys living in my basement. And I was just <laughs> writing up these, you know, and then this and then that and this and then that. And then I plug them in, as you're saying. And then, like you said, once they're there, and this re- leads to another discussion about, I don't think that placing something in front of the players is being, you know, uh, well, you were saying sometimes this bugs people or whatever. I guess the quantum ogre thing or whatever. Where versus yeah, the quantum you, ogres, they don't really get a chance. They don't really have a choice. They're, they're going in the yes. hole no matter what. No matter what they do, they're going in the hole. If they go in the hole now, they go in the hole. If they go down the street, they go in the hole. If they, I mean, that's basically <laughs> yeah. what, what it is. It's just a little railroading and all that. Yeah. So, so I would say just as a, I guess a little bit of a wrap up that, um, the way you, when you present things to your players, try to, I would say, avoid personally the, the cork board in the tavern map, you know, here's all the latest adventures and people are ripping off, you know, call this number. I mean, that just seems a little ridiculous. 
there are creative ways to present things. And anytime you have people interacting with the players, whether it's a conflict, whether literally I had miners come in because now my players in my campaign have some renown and they're like, Hey guys, can you help us? It does seem obvious, but also that's what people might do. They might go to the heroes and say, can you help us? Like the classic magnificent seven scenario. So, you know, don't, don't, worry about that because of course then there's the personality of these miners are they lying did they really do something they shouldn't have done what what's really happening that's a whole other story but right but don't be afraid to just have it be obvious to the players as long as if they don't do it that's okay the world's not going to end on every single thing you present it's just a little side quest right exactly and, and i think right the the idea of the corkboard works if you're playing a certain kind of game right but if you're trying to run a campaign that's going to be long term, it's not just like a, a series of one shots where it's just like, hey, we're going to play these characters. I think you want to actually put things more um, physically, for lack of a better word, into the game where it's like it's in their face. It's not just they heard something, somebody's hiring them. It's they want to do it. And one way that we definitely can do this is by knowing your players, obviously. And also, if they did make a backstory and they say, I have these goals, to keep that in mind, not to shift your whole campaign around what they decide, but... You know, you should ideally you're sitting down with your players when they make their backstory. If they're like, well, I'm this and my goal is to slay this dragon. And you're like, well, there's really no dragons in my world, you know, so change that, you know, whatever. Um, you know, you want to do that so that whatever their goal is makes sense in your world. Like you have that conversation meta ahead of time. Then you can put products, right? If the one guy is looking for redemption because he was part of a bandit group and now he's decided to become a hero, you're going to put bandits that he's going to want to fight because he's going to want to make them, you know, no longer bandits by killing them. <laughs> it's deep after the, all. I have a guy that uh, <laughs> he rolled up a dwarf character in this campaign and his whole goal, because giants are unknown in this world, is to find out about giants. Yeah. So I set up this whole thing where they release the long-held stone giant. But in the course of the temple, he gave up his life to save the cleric, so he's dead. And he was making jokes of very experienced players. And he's good because he's always helping me on rules because he's Mr. Rules Lawyer, but in a very nice way. He just says, oh, Kevin, I think the spell, and I go, oh, yeah, yeah, that's right. But he said to me at one point, he goes, you made up all this giant stuff because of my character. Now my character's dead. And I was just like, well, you know, that's the way it goes, you know, because the giant wandered into the hills never to be seen again. We'll see. It's Now it's a character in my world. But so, right. yeah, I had created that whole thing, a plot hook based around what someone wanted. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, because if if why, why deny it's like a movie or a book. If I read at the beginning of the book that this character, all they've ever wanted is to meet a giant and you get to page 400 and the book ends and they never saw one giant. Now, there might be some message there that there really are no giants or something like that, some meta thing. But you expect them at some point to meet a giant or at least find out something. So right, why or at least find the history if giants are real, what's going on. No, and what's funny about that or interesting is, in, and I'm curious to see how it plays out in your campaign. In a campaign I was running for a little while, one of the characters was a uh, cleric, and they were trying to seek this this high priest who supposedly was really wise and blah, blah, blah. And that was their whole thing, and they really played it up. Oh, I want to meet this high priest and blah, blah, blah. And actually, I had given them that goal because I, I knew the high priest was in the adventure, and they died. But when they finally reached this high priest and they found him who turned out to be a scumbag and they had to kill him, they took like the <laughs> high priest's holy symbol and like went back and like buried it with the original character, you know, because it was part of it. Even though a long time had gone by as I was playing, it was only a few days in the actual game because it was dungeon crawl. But, you know, they remembered this character wanted this high priest to, to meet them. So they literally made that connection, even though that character wasn't around anymore, which I thought was really cool. And that's the thing. If you have, again, we'll try to wrap this up. If you have interesting plot hooks that relate to the characters and 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 
intertwined with your storyline or whatever, they will do things like that because my player characters made this little shrine for the dwarf that sacrificed himself. They told people about him. People are hearing about this Torig the dwarf who sacrificed himself for the party. And he's this now, I'm going to make him for people. They, they made this little shrine on their own. So people are going to come and give some offerings and whatever that this person that sacrificed himself. And this is the way societies sort of operate. And it makes them part of the world. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear your voice on the show, give us a call. There's a link in the show notes. You can find us both on YouTube. Uh, Daniel is at Bandit's Keep, and I'm on D&D Homebrew, also linked in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, please give us a rating and review on your favorite podcatcher, and we'll see you next week.